0: Hey guys, today on the podcast, I have a super juicy host. This is Dr. Jolie Hamilton. She is a love and relationship expert that helps take people in a monogamistic relationship into a non-monogamistic relationship. And in fact, today our topic is individuation relationships. I have been fangirling this woman for months and months and months and months. We've been watching each other on Instagram. And I'm so glad that you're here today. Dr. Jolie, will you please introduce yourself? Talk about, I know you've got kids, you've got a husband, you've got a podcast, you got programs, and we're going to talk about individuation relationships today. Go I it. love it.
1: Okay. First off, thank you for having me, Jennifer. Thank you for making space for these awesome conversations. I have been following your work and I'm so, so happy to have more of these conversations happening and the way that you have them is so, real, so. I'm totally here for it. Um, yeah. You know, you said I have uh, all these things. So let me start off by saying the first thing I have is, yeah, I have seven kids. So if anybody's out there thinking to themselves, like my life's too normy, I couldn't possibly. I look like the socceriest soccer mom that ever was. I drive a 12 thir- a person van, the whole thing. So this relationship style is not limited to people who are like young and happening in their early 20s. This is for anybody who wants to have a creative, conscious relationship. And uh, the other thing I have is a PhD in Jungian and Archetypal Psychology and my certification as an ASex certified sex educator. And my specialty is talking about how we actually create individuation relationships, which Jennifer, I know you and I already were like, wait, individuation, individuated? How do we, like, what is this? And that question, like, it's juicy for me. I, as a Jungian psychologist, I care about individuation. Carl Jung, you know, go back 125 years. He (laughs) posited just this notion that had been talked about for thousands of years before. This idea of being the most fully you version of yourself, stripping away the things that other people asked you to put on and adding back in, remembering the parts of you that you cut off because people asked you not to be, whether they did that Verbally, or whether it was just through socialization, right? Carl Jung put together this word, individuation. It helps us wrap our brains around the idea of truly living an authentically us life. And the fact that that will take effort because Mm. we are living, growing beings. And so the reason it's individuation and not individuated is because it's never done, you're never finished. And that's the joy of it. And personally, as a relationships nerd, (laughs) I like to put it in the context of our relationships. So a lot of Jungians tend to be um, more focused on the inner experience, on the hermetic, on on the deeply inner world of the alchemical journey. I prefer, in my way of extroverted being is to think about individuation as it shows up in our relationships, especially our most intimate relationships, whether those are um, friendship intimacies or romantic intimacies, and let us understand ourselves better by how we are reflected in those relationships. So that's a little bit about what I do.
0: (laughs) So I love it. So it's a concept of I get to be in relationship with my people in whatever the fuck a way I want to.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah. And
0: what I'm finding is we're also seeing a reflection of this in society. I've been talking about this a lot lately where the pendulum was like, you know, I'm a man and you're a woman and we're married forever. Like, right. And right. then we went like, woo, to the other side. And now it's like, I have 15 labels. So right. you can understand me and I can self-identify for you, which is important And at some point we're going to get here. That's like a nice balance between the two.
1: Well, at some point we might be able to have some of those labels be so normal for us to be exchanging them that we don't even think of them as labels. They're just, they're just the way we talk about being a human and they won't feel like a burden right now. A lot of times, all these labels, all these words, I have a lot of them. I'm a, (laughs) I am a white cisgender woman. I'm queer. I am polyamorous. I am multifarious. (laughs) You know, I have all these words, right? Yeah. But some of those, I don't think I'm going to have to say 30 years from now. I think some of them they'll, we will have fully understood that we don't even need that information necessarily. (laughs)
0: Right. And (laughs) Um, to me, that's the, this point where it's like, it's all fluid and it doesn't fucking matter anymore.
1: Right. But I yeah. love how the labels make me feel intelligible to others. I feel coherent through them. And especially if I'm on a dating app, very helpful. Hello.
0: Yeah. We've just <laughs> identified our dynamic. And let me tell you, like, that is the thing that you need to know going into these dating apps. Cause it's the first thing people ask you. It's kind of like the boundaries question, right? What is your dynamic? How do you play? How do you feel comfortable? Because they want to honor and they want to right. be honored too. If it's a different dynamic, right? Then you may not be a good Joe. Should
1: exactly, fit. exactly. And and that's where the work of individuation can help you understand what it is that is a good fit and what you're you might be going through and trying on to see if it's a good fit. Because there's no shame in that. Awesome. You're going to have to try some stuff on that isn't a good fit if you want to actually get to your authentic self. And when you get to those labels... My favorite part about them is they're not permanent. Like you said, they're fluid (laughs) fluid. and you are fluid. And if you're, if you're able to express those, those labels, those words, if you're able to express them and make them really understandable to other people, then you can custom build a relationship that will actually fit you and the other people in your life. And then let it change, let it grow. I just, Renovated my house. I changed it. I doubled its size. I changed all the shapes of the rooms. Thank goodness it was time. You get to do that in your relationship too. And I find that it's helpful if you can already explain it upfront.
0: <laughs> and doesn't this feel like so good to your nervous system? Oh, because it's yeah. like you're not just smashed into this tiny box. Exactly. You can be whatever size box you want, you can change the box. So, I think we'll have a couple different sets of people in different buckets listening to this podcast. One being, we're still monogamous. We're feeling a little angsty about this, and we want to be non monogamous. And then the other bucket going, Jen, I've been listening to you for a while. I think we're there, but now we don't know how to craft what we want. And we're looking at all these labels and we're looking at all these boxes that we're supposed to fit in, but we don't really fit in any of them. Yeah. What do we do?
1: Okay. So, well, one option is take my quiz because <laughs> my I have a quiz that helps people understand like where they are in their journey. Okay. Because some people try to put on the labels really quick, right? They say, I'm in box A, I'm in the mono box and I'm ready to move to box B. And so they try on some labels and here's the thing. If you try on the labels, that's cool. But if you can't define the labels yet and you can't actually fully understand how to express them, Well, when you go out and live them, you might get some bumps and bruises. So what I strongly recommend is that you know how far along you are in the process of disentangling from the mono paradigm, Mm -hmm. which is completely a fine place to live. And if it works for you, great. But as you disentangle from that and shift over to a poly paradigm, which doesn't have to do with polyamory, it's just like multiplicity, right? That Mm -hmm. multiplicity paradigm, as you shift there... And you understand more about the options available to you, then you can ask for the help you actually need. So I made a quiz for this because I'm like, we need a faster way for people to understand if they're actually a hell no right now, if their body is giving them signals that they're like not ready to proceed, that doesn't mean they're a hell no forever. What that means is they need some foundations to understand. So Joliequiz.com is where that quiz lives. And I use that as a way to just tell, like, are these two people, let's say, in a monogamous relationship now, are they about at the same phase or are they actually kind of far apart? Because that's where the real trick comes, right? Mm -hmm. If you're not at the same phase, you may find that one of you is ready to go out there and start dating and the other doesn't really know what they want. You might imagine that you have to have balance or fairness. When I have found over the course of my 13 years doing this, that Balance and fairness can really get you into some big trouble. And most people don't expect that. So you're going to want guidance. And this podcast is a great place to start. And there is so much out there that you might feel overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. So if you feel overwhelmed, that's normal too.
0: (laughs) Your podcast (laughs) is also an amazing place to start. Um, Thanks.
1: Yes. And I love what you
0: just said about that because, you know, we're at the very entry starting. We took one step out and- it's already, uh, I don't know if it's causing angst, but it's, it's right. Emotions are rising. Yeah. Like, so this morning was a great example. Um, I connected with a couple, shared my app and the couple with Scott, he looked at it over. He was like, this is awesome. He's a lot like me. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know he is. That's why I like him. He's got a beard too. And so his, the other partner, their wife, the wife said, you know, Hey, I'm cool with meeting them, but you need to go meet her first. Like me, make sure that you vibe with her. Make sure like go check things out and come back and let me know. And then I'll tag in if I'm interested. So today was supposed to be our first meetup. We got the time wrong. I was AM. He was PM. So I showed up and then he was like, Oh no, I'm so sorry. So we've, we've rescheduled for tomorrow night. But when I came back in and I'm all like babed out and Scott's like, baby, what is going on? And I was like, well, you know, when you go on a date, you want to look nice. And I saw his face and he goes, it wasn't a date, was it? And I'm like, well, yeah, kind of. Like when we go out with them, it's gonna be a date. So this is like a, the pre-date. Like a pre If yeah, we're it's gonna a, work and it's he, a date for a date. I watched his face go, Oh, oh yeah. Okay. So like yeah. this like, oh what the fuck? She's date oh wait, but it's okay. I'm okay with it. We're all okay with it.
1: Right. So, so many he, feelings come up. So much. Okay. So let me see if I heard that right. Cause I here's what I think happened, but tell me if I'm wrong. Yeah. It sounds like you were in a conversation that you and, and someone else um, decided that you were the, you were the, the partners who were going to game up and meet each other to see if there's yeah. something here. Okay, cool. So you go to meet and you get ready because you're like, okay, I mean, I'm going to meet this person that I could potentially be having an erotic experience with. Right. I'm going to put on my A game. Let's go. Probably. Cause you look beautiful. Okay. So you do that. You come home, your partner's like, wait, what? I didn't really get that. And I am imagining his face showing that he had not cognitively made the same connections that you had. So all of a sudden he's boom back in his limbic system. He has a panic moment. Now he has to engage his tools to soothe his nervous system and then come back online. And it sounds like he was able to do that pretty quickly.
0: He did a good job.
1: And he might not have.
0: He might. You not might have.
1: have needed to do a whole rupture and repair cycle. All over the fact that the two of you didn't have a disagreement, but simply defined a certain kind of meeting using a different word, using, using one word in two different ways. Or that he
0: hadn't been limbically, is that the word? Like mentally prepared for these steps.
1: Right. So he, he might have been, here's one of the things he might've been cognitively prepared, So he might've been in his prefrontal cortex, in his rational mind, he might've been prepared. And then when he got jostled into threat, boom, now he's back in old brain. And now your nervous system's running the show because the only question there is, am I safe? Am I safe? That's it, there's only one question. And if you have some reasonable self-regulation skills and your threat bucket isn't too full already, then you come back online relatively quickly and you're like, okay, wait, but logically, I agreed to this. And on top of that, I could always renegotiate if I'm having different feelings now. Like I understand what the parameters of this relationship are, but you can see how many places there are for the unicycle to rail off the cliff, right? <laughs> like-
0: and this is why therapy and coaching is so good. We had a whole conversation about this yesterday because I invest in a polyamorous therapist for us. <clears throat> I keep bringing people on the show and we've talked about like, what would it be like to hire one of these people on the show? And it's funny because there's a part of him that's like, there's YouTube. Like, why would you invest in someone? It's free. Like, why would you pay thousands of dollars to someone to help you? this is a great example. Why? Because when you work with someone one-on-one, they can be like, Hey guys, this is what's going to happen next. Cause you've right. been down this road. You're going to have a conversation in the kitchen about a date and he's going to want to flip and it's okay. Just be prepared. You're going to have these right. conversations, breathe and remember that it's all okay. And everyone's right. safe.
1: Right. And you know, you bring up such an interesting point. So many of us have never in our lives invested in our relationships in a way that is actually like monetary, right? That's crazy. But it's so normal now. So I think of this. So I, I also I've been in business since I was a teenager. So I've done a fair amount of business coaching as well. I, I think of this as absolutely the most important coaching I could have in my life and coaching therapy. Like there's so many different ways you could go about this, but when I invest in my relationships, my, my business numbers always go up Mm -hmm. and my understanding of myself goes up, which means usually I can level up in other areas of my life and free resources are amazing, but one, they're not personalized. And two, depending on how bright you are, you probably have, and I've listened to your partner on an episode or two. So, (laughs) (laughs) so bright guy, cool. Um you're probably really good at talking yourself around in a complete circle so you make perfect sense to yourself. Awesome. You need somebody who can get smarter than that and <laughs> tr- that's what I specialize in is oh you're always able to outsmart your therapist. Cool. I get you. Cute. I had yeah. And I had to do that too. I finally got called on the carpet by a 94-year-old man who was like, "Oh, honey. No." here's what's going on. And he was wonderful. And he held space for me for four years while I figured that shit out. Mm -hmm. And I needed it to be somebody who was able to hold that space and see my brilliance. And at the same time, see that in relationships, I was acting out patterns that I, yeah, I could see them, but I couldn't act differently inside them. And he could Mm -hmm. see that and see both of those things. And so not treat me like some sort of poor wounded bird, but instead say. I'm calling you forward into the best version of yourself because I know you can do this. And this is your individuation work. And so that was my Jungian analyst, an amazing man. He just passed away this year. Um, and he he guided me and my partner through my anchor partner through this process of uh, finally being each other's individuation partner, somebody who is more committed to their partner's growth and their own growth than they are to comfort in the moment. And that's what changed everything. Mm. Ooh,
0: that's good. Yeah. Good stuff. It is. It's oh good my stuff. Gosh. <laughs> okay. So back on the individuation train, <clears throat> how does one create an individualized relationship with their partner?
1: Yeah. So, you know, there are as many paths up the mountain as there are people. So I definitely don't take the tactic like I have, I have the answer. I do not have your path for you. What I think of is when you, want, when you want to get on the individuation path, what you are literally saying is I am no longer going to be bound by a set of rules that are handed to me, but instead I am going to seek deep inner wisdom and I am going to seek wisdom in my interactions in the world. And I'm going to look critically at what's happening and say, where am I acting out of pattern, out of routine? And where could I lean into transformation? Where could I lean into growth? Mm -hmm. And that's going to mean having to, probably for almost everyone, um, have someone who can help you see where you're, where you are not able to. Have someone be able to shine a flashlight, for instance, into that that dark area of yours. It's, for most people, non-monogamy is a wonderful flashlight. It's a great flashlight, right? It is. You open yourself up to being no longer, you can't use the rule book. There isn't one. And so now questions are going to come up. You're going to have to wrestle with, okay, that earbud. This year, bud does not want to stay with me. Mm-hmm. It's gone. It's out of here. Um, the You're going to have to wrestle with questions that people do not have to if they stay in the mainstream. If you want to stay in the mainstream, that's fine. If it works for you, that's great. But if you want something that really fits your deeper needs, wants, and desires, then you're going to probably need to be questioning not just the status quo that you learned as a child, but the one that runs your internal scripts. So you're going to need to get jostled a little bit. Oh my
0: gosh. Right. Yeah. And I'm sitting here thinking of a bunch of different ways that this has already happened and how I can take what you just said into real life. When you were in a relationship of monogamy, the rule book has been created. There is one man and one woman forever. You're not on dating apps. You're not having these conversations in the kitchen about, I'm going to have a coffee date with a man. Um, world, it is a whole playground full of learning opportunities and mirror opportunities. And you're right. All this inner child stuff comes up, these yeah. like inner ways that we have been programmed to behave and things will come up and I'm like, Oh, my mom used to say that. Why am I saying that? Cause it's so deep. And so it's right. fun to do the work. It's also, work to do the work, but it's work to stay married to someone that you're so unhappy with. Like what kind of work would you rather do happy work or really sad work?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, that's it. You just described to me the process of choosing your discomfort, like what you're going to be uncomfortable in some parts of your life. And so do you want to choose the one that's a growth path or do you want to choose the one that's not? And that doesn't have to mean non-monogamy. This could mean that you explore creative monogamy. You could decide that, for instance, you um, if you think about for relationships as having some areas that are exclusive and some that are expansive, right? I have people who come to me and they're like, I don't know that we are ready to set down sexual fidelity. Okay, cool. So let's imagine that sexual fidelity is held in the exclusive category, but let's consider all the other categories. Let's consider friendships. Let's con- which most of us do not hold in exclusivity. That would be pretty wacky, right? Um, let's consider finances. Let's consider parenting. Let's consider house sharing. Let's consider responsibilities. All of these other ways. Where might you want to be expansive? Where might you want to explore beyond the imagination you have? Because the imagination of relationships we have is defined by such a small vision. You know we have our caregivers when we're young, we have this, the community that was around us when we were children. And then we have whatever community we find ourselves in as adults. It's really just not that much to go on. No. So if you, no matter whether you want to have a totally like unbarred, I want to like, I want to throw away all of the mores, all the social mores, or you, whether you want to maintain some of them, there's still a lot of room to explore and find out, yeah, where does my internal, my internalized father complex, where, where is that running my whole show? Cause mine does plenty. It's annoying as hell. And my father, my living father is no longer living. He's dead. So it's not him. He's not literally yeah. doing this. He lives inside me as an autonomous complex. Wow. That's my work to do. Yeah. Which is an incredibly freeing thing. But generally speaking, what we do instead is project that onto our partners see those, those, those gnarly shadow bits mirrored back to us. Mm -hmm. And non-monogamy is a great way to start finding out that even if we've done a lot of our work, don't worry, there's plenty more. (laughs) You haven't run out. I haven't run out. I'm good. I've been doing this full time. Most, uh, most hours for the last 13 years have been spent on relationships. Almost all of my waking and sleeping hours. I haven't run out of work. So isn't
0: it fun though? It's such a fun topic to dive into because you're right. It is so rich. So one of the things I'd like to lead you to and see if you can like put us through this thought process is, okay, so you've decided to be open. There's a 15 million ways to be open, but really maybe only four or five on paper. And you start to get on some of these apps because maybe you and your partner are like, cool, let's find a girlfriend. Cool. Let's find another partner to go play with. Or like, let's get you a boyfriend, whatever that is. Right. Right. And then the first thing that people ask is, what is your dynamic and how are you playing? So you've helped us with the quiz to at least identify what kind of open you might wanna be because that's like really high level,
1: So for me, the first question for me is like, how ready are you to be open at all? Okay. So after we drill down to that now, yeah, what sort of dynamic? Which dynamic might fit you? And here's where my work might differ from other people's. I believe that you can have, that you by necessity have, you have two individuals, right? If you're talking about taking a monogamous couple and saying, okay, now what's your path? You might have different desires. Your dynamic is going to have to be pretty, um, pretty flexible at the beginning to figure out what it is that you both want. And you don't have to want the same thing. What you have to do is figure out how to identify what you want and then how to find a way to express these things Mm -hmm. that does not send you totally into threat state (laughs) because you're probably going to want something that's slightly different or even drastically different from your partner. And that right there is the heart of an individuation oriented relationship. You do not have to want the same thing, but you do need to be able to talk about the differences and you do need to be able to move away from the idea that everything has to be balanced and fair. So like, A way that I see this play out Mm -hmm. is I'll have um, a couple come to me. They've been together for, let's say, 15 years and, you know, they're ready. They've done a lot of reading and they've opened up. And the struggle that they're having is that every time she's on a date, he feels like he needs to have a date or she's now got a long-term person, but they're far away. And now he's like, well, I have a close person, but now can I see them? If I see them more frequently, is that not fair or is that? fair should i how do we make this even yeah. and that's the question they show up to me with and yeah. i'm like here's here's the answer i can't answer most questions but this one i can answer don't try to make it even it doesn't exist these are relationships they are incommensurable you cannot compare them you're also individuals you do not have the exact same needs wants and desires but monogamy tricks us into thinking that same is the goal samey 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 what we want to do is get to a spot where what we truly long for is to have our needs wants and desires fulfilled to a at least to a certain degree and to have our partners as well and to be able to find peace within the differences
0: is there a journey that you take people on where you know you start out in monogamy and then you open and what I find as well is that there's generally two different types of people and they're usually married together. One is like, let's go do cannonballs into the deep end and do all the things I'm totally open. I'm open to love. And the other person is like, what the fuck have I agreed to? I'm really scared. I like monogamy, but I love my partner and I want to do this with them. And I want to help us get there. And so you're like, there's the bullet train and here's like a snail's pace car. And so how do you, because you want to honor the individualistic needs of both people, yeah. but maybe not immediately. Maybe I, maybe that's what you're saying, but I'm I'm wondering, is there like a pathway to getting to full individualistic happiness and bliss but to being, like I've heard things like only go as fast as the slowest person. Mm-hmm. I hear that a lot. And I try to honor that as well. A lot. I see your face. So I'm going to let
1: you. Yeah. Talk. <laughs> okay. I do. I have thoughts about this because it please is what we us. hear. I yeah. think when, what people mean, what they genuinely mean when they say move at the pace of the slowest person is, um, please be gentle. Let's be yeah. kind to each other. Let's act in love. Let's not intentionally harm each other. However, I have watched people dig their heels in, say that they can't work at this pace, but also continue to tell their partner they're on the they're on the page, they're, they're doing it, they want to do it, but keep digging in, right? And so what they've got there is a lot of control. And that control starts to feel really good. Now, if I'm the slower paced partner, what if what is it? How do I know whether I'm doing my work? Am I doing my work? to get there wherever there is do i even know where there is this is where i think it's really important to peel away the notions that we have of of what it means to be in a relationship because there's so so many of them really are focused on prioritizing this this entity that is the relationship that is neither you nor me it is not i thou it is the relationship and it starts to have its own vote, right? And so we move at the pace of the re- that the relationship can stand in the structure that it's at right now. But let's say I take a building that was made for New York. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't put it in California, right? Because it's going to get shaken and it's going to fall down, and that would not be good. So if you want to have your building be in California, what we need to do as a foundational step is start to build in the layers we need to build in nervous system regulation work we need to build in strong agreement setting capacity we need to do the shadow work required to meet my inner figures and maybe most importantly of all at least for me is i need to truly commit myself to the process of learning how this goes and continually learning because otherwise the bullet train person winds up being the source of information and now they also they they wind up holding a lot of control and power in the relationship too and we wind up with this dynamic that is asymmetrical and not in a healthy way and then the real fun starts because a ma- because you know what happens next and i'm sure you've seen it too is at some point sometimes that flips And now the person who was very hesitant and unsure is having an easier time dating. And so they're okay with this all. And this is going just fine. And the other person's like, whoa, this is hard. And I had no idea. And they, because they were so all in upfront, maybe didn't prepare themselves mentally, maybe didn't prepare themselves emotionally, or maybe just couldn't imagine that they were going to have any trouble at all. And now they're like, oh shit, (laughs) Uh, we have a problem (laughs) and that's a really hard space to claim. So, yes, the 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 shorter answer to that question would be yes, there's a process I take people through <laughs> that guides them from a monogamous paradigm to what I call a polyamorous paradigm. I don't care whether you choose the label polyamorous, that's not my my reason. It's just that many loves is a good way to say multiplicity, openness to experience and transforming that monotheistic imagination to a polytheistic imagination. That's the depth psychologist in me talking.
0: (laughs) Well, and that hooks me right there because I'm sure everyone listening is like, oh, how do I learn more about that? That's what I need. Will you talk about that?
1: Yeah. So this is why I had a choice in grad school. I could either go to a sexuality program and be the weirdo talking about Jung or I could go to my beloved Jungian grad school and be the weirdo talking about sex. I chose B. B. So my ground, my foundation is in depth psychology, D-E-P-T-H. Depth psychology takes the unconscious very seriously. And the other thing it takes very, very seriously is the imagination. Your imagination is possibly the most important piece of transforming a monotheistic view to a polytheistic one. And I don't mean in a religious sense here. I mean, we have this ideal of unity of mono things, of of all being one that makes it challenging for us to, say, stand in between two partners and say they have competing needs. What shall I do? Or to imagine ourselves being able to love two people differently and be okay and manage that. Like we struggle and yet our imagination is the way through that. We need to be able to imagine it before we can do it. And if you can imagine it, then the potential for you to pull it off is so much higher. If I can imagine myself, let's say, holding the tension of my partner at home being mopey and sad that I left for a date and someone else that I'm going on a date with being excited to see me, and I can stand in that tension and say they are each having their experiences and I am having mine, and I can show deep care And I can hold my commitment to myself Mm -hmm. and hold deep care for each of them and negotiate ways to make that easier without abandoning myself and the commitments I've made to myself. Like now we're talking about being a whole ass grown up. (laughs) Yeah. It's big work. And this is why I say non-monogamy is one potential individuation path. It is for me, the path that I have found I've had to wrestle with my demons do my shadow work, do my anima animus work, like get into there and change my life through my imagination.
0: That is really pretty, really beautiful. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. And I can feel the tension as you talk about that. I mean, cause again, we're going through the same thing where I have to hold space for him to process emotions that are really fucking uncomfortable. that make me feel anxious. Like, is it too much for him? Like that whole kind of codependent thing on other people's relationships. This is the hard, fun work that we get to do as humans in this life. And it's so freaking exciting.
1: Exactly. And the thing is, this is, this is what any relationship can bring you. It can bring you the exact problem that you need. That is the joy. You said, you know, there are going to be these two people and they're married to each other. Yup. Just like the introverts and the extroverts, mm-hmm. just like, um, the people who want to, you know, live into the business entrepreneurial world. And the person who wants to climb the corporate ladder, we yes. marry each other because we set each other off. We bring each other that thing. And that's basic. That's a basic shadow work concept. So, I mean, I I know shadow work is talked about presently frequently, but I just bring it right back to that, that basic idea that what I cannot face in myself, I will see in others and I will blame them for it. (laughs) And, and so it's natural that I choose partners that drive me bonkers And I love them and I lust after them and I want them. And in order to hold that tension, what I have to do is learn how to come back to myself and like really, really stay in that and then meet various and assorted needs in creative ways and not be boxed into the idea that, for instance, if my partner is sad that I'm leaving on a date, it means I have to do X, Y, and Z. There are a million things you might do there. So we have to really bust open the idea that if my partner's mopey, I have to do this, or if my partner's happy, I have to do this. We have to really break it open and start using the massive power that imagination is to hold multiplicity and say, oh, I could see this from so many different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And most of us, we can do it for other people. So my quick hack, the quickest hack I can give anyone if you're struggling with holding that tension is write down your story, write down exactly what's happening. So for you, you could just write it down say, I came home, I was all dolled up. I looked great. I was feeling good because I have my date for tomorrow and I feel good. And then, oh, he got hit with it. And that was a lot. And now I'm questioning, what? wait, are we on the same page? Is this going to be okay? Is he going to actually freak out when it is a date? What's happening? And write that down. No more than a page. Keep, you don't have to go crazy. Now, go do some nervous system regulation. Do you do breath work? Do you um, do NSI? Do you, what do you do? Take yourself for a walk, do burpees, whatever it is. Burpees work really well for me and that annoys the hell out of me. Um, Do that. Take a couple more deep breaths. Now read it as if your best friend were saying this just happened to them. I bet you have a bunch of ideas about the various ways they could meet this situation. Yeah. Because as soon as we externalize it, all of a sudden we're creative again and we're not trapped by our idea of who we are. So it's really simple.
0: (laughs) I'm just imagining you reading it like your girlfriend's reading it and she's like, you're fucking crazy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, ah, Uh, and give yourself that advice. I will literally have clients. I'm like, so what What would you say to your friend if if she came to you with this? I guarantee you, you have better advice for them than you think you have for yourself. And when I say more creative, I mean, you probably have more than one idea of what might be possible right there. And that's where the real, that's where the rubber meets the road. Because let's say that you had one particular idea of what your partner needed like that he needed reassurance. Maybe he does, but maybe what he needs is um, like really like logical clarity around terminology. You might just need to go open up your vocabulary document and be like, what is a date? What qualifies as a date? Like I actually process things rationally really well. So I will turn to my actual written tools where my partner might be, he he needs a lot more actual physical and emotional reassurance, cool there are also a ton of other ways we could address that situation. We could do sensation play to work out some feelings. We could go for a walk together. We could agree to just make a pot of soup and talk the whole thing out and just like let it all just hang out. Mm-hmm. Renegotiate. We could schedule an emergency session with our coach therapist or other helper. There's so many ways. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you make it all sound so easy, right?
1: I've been at really this a while.
0: It really can be. I
1: know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're like I've done the work. <laughs> I mean, I fucked it all up. <laughs> I really did. I my I love entry... your story.
0: Do you want to tell the story real quick? I'll tell the, the short story.
1: version because it's okay. ridiculous. I've known my anchor partner my whole life. I I've known him literally since I was in utero. Um, he was my my cousin's best friend. I knew him growing up. He's ten years older than me. I knew him. We weren't. Anything. I was like, he was annoying as hell. Ugh. Ugh. Drove me crazy. Um, fast forward to when we were adults, we'd both gotten married, we both moved, but kept being pulled back to the same place. So we wound up married to other people and living within a mile of each other. And that's fine, but it did put us in each other's circles because our kids happened to be born at the same ages, right? We had even though we were further brought. So this person who I found terribly annoying, all of a sudden one day on a dance floor. I did not find annoying. I found him overwhelmingly, oh my God. Yeah, I choke up just thinking about it. I had a full blown numinous experience of this man as a sacred other, a someone I wanted Mm -hmm. to have an intimate connection with. And when I say intimate, I do mean sexual. Like I had lust, but that's not really it. What I felt was like, oh, I need to know him. Something in me is compelled to know him. We did not have sex for many, many months. So I know that in that moment, what I was experiencing is a, some connection. It tipped something in me, it resonated. I was divorced five months later. I was, I was gone from my husband 45 days later because I was naive and I thought I could just say, hey, sure, like we can do this non-monogamy thing. It'll be fine. And my husband was not able to do that, and that was okay because we'd actually outgrown each other before. And I know you have a an equally challenging, but also beautiful story. It's okay to be okay. done with a relationship. <laughs> and we were done with each other, and this was the path out. And sometimes that is what happens. But somehow, Ken and I wound up um maintaining. We were in a triad for two and a half years after that. Um, we all lived together. We raised our seven children together. And then when that triad ended, um, I thought he and I were going to break and we didn't, but we did have to reinvent everything yet again, because every ending is another beginning. Mm -hmm. And so we found ourselves at the beginning of a mess because we were supposed to already know how this worked. We'd already been living in a triad for almost three years. Why didn't we know how this works? Um, we dabbled in monogamy. It was really weird for us. And um then I decided to study the hell out of it more because what we'd done didn't work. We had done everything that I found in certain books. I tried doing that. It didn't work for us. So three point seven, three point eight seven five psychology degrees later. (laughs) Um it's taken a lot of learning and a lot of being present to find out what works for us and to stop trying to have a relationship that needs to work for anybody else. Mm -hmm. Our relationship is ours. And that's how I know that whether we are romantically and sexually partners to each other or not, we can be partnered. We choose to use the word anchor partner because we've decided that when grandchildren come along, when things happen, that we will anchor to each other. If one of us gets sick, we will anchor to each other but that has nothing to do with whether we are sexually or romantically together. You might, you might not. And I got to tell you, honestly, it's a hell of a way to keep the romance alive. (laughs) That was an unexpected side effect. Um, But we created something deep, right? Right. Because it's, you
0: feels more anchored than I'm married to someone because these papers told me that I'm married to them and I can still get divorced. You're like, we're fucking in this for the rest
1: of our lives. Yeah, and what that looks like for us is on, there have been purpose. times, <laughs> yeah, on purpose, like there yeah. have been times when it would have been far more advantageous for us financially or um, romantically or all sorts of ways to split, but we have a relationship agreement that we revisit. We do a full renegotiation every three years. We do a we do a review and and check in much more frequently than that, but a full one. And what it means is that when we do that renegotiation, we are faced with, remember, this is a re-upping, not a foregone conclusion that we do this going forward. This is a re-up and we just did it. We've done this. We've had this relationship through the loss of my father, my, through the loss. My my brother died here with us. He was with us at the end of his life. We took care of him. We We worked through so many big things. And it's because our agreements are founded on the idea that we've anchored to each other Mm. and that sex is a juicy benefit that we choose to participate in. That romance might also be extended to friendships. And that might, like, this is how it gets super, super personal. It's really personal. Not like just signing on a dotted line.
0: And now we've come full circle. I love it. What an amazing way to end. Would you please tell everybody? Cause I think we're all on the edge of our seats. Like this woman's amazing and I need more. How can they plug into you?
1: So if you want to hear myself and my anchor partner chat, you should check out the playing with fire podcast. It's all about non-monogamy and individuation. And you'll find that on all your major players. And if you want to find me, Easiest place to find me is on Instagram at Dr. Jolie underscore Hamilton, J-O-L-I underscore Hamilton, just like the musical, nice and easy. (laughs) And yeah, I strongly recommend that people pop into one of my um, salons because I talk about the five pillars of opening your relationship well, and these five pillars are so important. So if you haven't already, go to Joliequiz.com, J-O-L-I. Q-U-I-Z, take the quiz. It's 10 questions. I built it out of my research. It's it's easy and doesn't matter if you get a, oh, hell no, you're not ready. That doesn't matter. Show up to the salon. You're gonna hear me talk about the five pillars that let you ground yourself in your principles of non-monogamy. And from there, build something that actually works for me for you rather than just deciding that you have to jump out of box A into box B. Cause I don't want you to live in any box.
0: Perfect. I will put the, the uh, link to the quiz below. I'm assuming that after you take the quiz, it dumps you into the salon. I've sure. taken it. It's fantastic. And then also you'll get some really juicy email sequences from Dr. Jolie. Um, and then of course, please follow her on the, on her own podcast as well. And I'll put that link below. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so glad to finally have you on This is a really good conversation.
1: Thank you, Jennifer. It was really, truly a pleasure. Thank you.
0: All right.